Okay, right? Okay. I didn't do anything tr tricky no, here, no, right? No, no, nothing. So no. now I'm going to make the penny uh -huh. go inside of the water bottle. Yeah, right. Get out. I just learned that. So I didn't do anything tricky, right? No, I, I saw. You didn't, you didn't put no, right, nothing. So you ready? You ready? Yeah. Abra? I didn't do anything wrong, right? No, I saw the penny underneath. Where's the penny? Okay, look. What? Look inside. Look, it's floating on the top. <laughs> Fuck you, you motherfucker, scumbag! I got a for putana! For putana! Fuck you, salama bitch! Salama bitch, fuck you! Fuck you, salama bitch! Dali, Hey, what's happening? How's your March Madness bracket looking? <laughs> Mine? I don't want to talk about it. I don't even know why I do this anymore, man. It's literally anyone's guess every year. And trust me, people who have like near-perfect brackets are guessing. I heard all kinds of crazy stories after the first day of the tournament. There was one guy who bet based on which mascot, which team's mascot, would win in a fight. That's how he bet. And he was perfect through the first round. Not the first day, the first round. So, <laughs> both days of games, he didn't miss one. I have no idea what his bracket looks like now, but I can guarantee you that it looks better than mine. Even my brother's bracket took a beating. And this is a guy who researches statistics and all that stuff. I mean, he puts a lot of thought into it. It's futile. Just root for your team until they lose and then enjoy the rest of the games. It bums me out. I got to stare at a shitty bracket after the first round is over. Ugh, I'm over it. You know, I wanted to talk about this last week but I already had enough material to fill 30 minutes. And I didn't want to be disrespectful to the subject matter because last week was, was all about toilet humor, you know. But the dust has settled a bit, and I've had time to collect my thoughts on this. Now, what happened last week in Atlanta, the spa shootings, is just more of the same crap that we've seen in our country for which seems like forever. I think it was just shocking to us because COVID kept things closed down. And the minute places started to open up, the crazies were free to roam. And I found it unnerving that this loser tried to use his sexual addiction as an excuse for what he did. It makes him seem even more pathetic as if it's their fault for enabling his habit of getting hand jobs from Asian girls. I know everyone wants to pin this on white supremacy, and they have every right to. Asian women have been stereotyped 
for quite a while in this country. They're thought to be these submissive creatures, sex machines, you know, that are good for demeaning tasks, and that's it. That whole geisha myth. That's how American men see Asian women. Not all, but, you know, that's kind of the general thought. And truth be told, geishas aren't prostitutes. They're there as servers and assistants during your stay at their house. That's what they do. But that does not include sex. And racism toward Asians has been prevalent for years. It's unspoken, but it's there. I live in a town where the Asian population is exploding. And I've heard how white people, especially men, talk about them. And I can't say that I've never had a negative experience here. But when I did, it was only because the person was an asshole. It had nothing to do with race. People can be assholes. I mean, that's life. The story was just sad to me all the way around. This guy was so pathetic that the only way he could have sexual contact was to go to one of these places and, and pay to have a girl jack him off. Totally cliche. And think for a second, what a demeaning job that is in the first place. And he gets addicted to it instead of cleaning himself up and trying to get out into the real world and, you know, meet somebody. I mean, did you see the guy's picture? He's a poster boy for low self-esteem. So these women, whose job it was to give him happy endings, <laughs> I thought about it. They ended up not having a happy ending themselves. I can't imagine how that has to feel for those people. There's no way you're going to stop prostitution in this country. It's the oldest profession. You want to stop prostitution? Clean yourself up. Stop paying for sex. Get a girlfriend. Or just spend your time watching porn. And prostitution is not the problem in the first place. I've been saying this forever. Crazy is the problem. We need to fix that first. Gun control? No, crazy control. It's more like it. I'm not to sound like I'm joking because I'm not. But it reminds me of that line from a movie where the guy says, uh, guns don't kill people, I do. This story was ripe for the picking for anyone who had an agenda towards racism, gun control, sex addiction, prostitution, and whatever else they wanted to stand on a soapbox for. But who's talking about mental health? Because I hear crickets. This guy is ill upstairs and he's not alone. Oh, Phil, see, that's your agenda. What makes your agenda different than ours? You want to know the difference? Here's the difference. I'm right. But now everyone's on high alert, you know, looking for any signs of racism toward Asians. There was something that happened this week, branded a hate crime, literally a stone's throw, quarter mile from my house. And it made the local news. This elderly Asian man was walking his dog he claimed he was attacked by a young white male. He ended up going to the hospital for his injuries. The Nextdoor app was on fire. I mean, there were multiple posts with over 150 comments on them. Stop Asian hate, all that stuff. But then you had white people saying stuff like, let's wait until all the facts are known. Well, the story finally got reported on KTLA News here in Los Angeles. And as the story goes, he was walking his dog in this field and he saw a young male playing with a soccer ball 
with his dog, which was a husky, and the dog was off-leash. Now, first of all, you're not allowed to have your dog off-leash in this city. And if you do have it off-leash, even if you're in a field, you've got to be attentive to the dog so you can control where he goes and call it if it gets out of you know range. That's if it's trained. Well, this dog saw the other man's smaller dog, it was like a poodle or something, and starts to go towards them. So the man picks his dog up to protect it. And the husky turns away, so the man put his dog back down. And just as he did that, boom, here comes a husky, bolts toward them. The husky attacks the guy's poodle. Not a fair fight. So the man starts to break the fight up. And out of nowhere, he feels this thud on the back of his head. This young kid comes from behind the man, rifles the soccer ball right into the back of his head. Once again, just bad optics, okay? Even if he thought the man was attacking his dog, yell at him or try to break the fight up. You can see the dogs are fighting, right? To come up from behind an old person and fire an object at the back of his head, that's assault and it's unwarranted. So our police department put out an APB with security footage showing the kid playing with his dog, as well as some images that were uh, they were able to blow up. So they're looking for this kid. I hope they catch him. It just reeks of dovetailing. You know, we just had a nationwide story that started this campaign against Asian hate. Then a week later, something like this happens in a city where a lot of the white population that's left complain about the influx of Asians in our community. I don't like talking about race or racism because I don't understand it or realize why it has to exist in the first place. But it came home to roost here this week. I mean, the kid may have just thought the guy was beating his dog up and didn't do it because he was Asian. But only an idiot would go out in public with a husky off-leash to begin with, let alone to go do something else like playing with a ball that takes your attention off of your dog. Huskies, if you don't know, are runners. The dogs are super hyper and they just need to run. That's why they are the dogs that they use in the Iditarod. They're notorious for jumping over fences, running around the neighborhood, you know, digging holes under the fence to get out. It's a hard dog to keep contained unless they're properly trained. And anyone who would disobey the leash law probably hasn't done their homework most likely hasn't trained the dog. And that could also explain why the Husky was other dog aggressive. You know, I've talked about weaning myself off of my news addiction. I realized I was suffering from FOMO, fear of missing out. Like, you know, like when Bourdain passed away. I had been up for an hour. But, you know, I was busy doing some stuff. Made coffee, took a shower. I turned my devices on. And my inbox explodes text messages with links to articles announcing his death. And once the shock of the news wore off, I felt like I'd missed out on getting the breaking news myself. I've been addicted for a long time to get the news of anything as soon as it breaks. And I think maybe it stems from my days of hanging out with my brother at the paper and watching wire stories come over in real time because I thought that was a kick. So now I get these morning headlines, you know, I've got Alexa read me the morning news from USA Today, and then that's it. And I've got friends that tell me 
Just watch the local news. You know, it's much more rounded. So I try watching local news and guess what? It's just as I remembered it. And it's why I stopped watching it. It's more rounded, all right. But the first five stories are local murders, robberies, kidnappings, high-speed chases, basically local chaos. The fuck I want to see that for? And I'm trying to... I'm trying to live a stress-free life here. That doesn't help. Even though the morning headlines still aren't, you know, uplifting, they're better than they were. I'll take a pass on all that shit. I do the bare minimum to stay informed. No more than that. The sensationalistic bullshit from these news networks. It's comical. It's sad, but comical. I like how these local stations, they save the feature stories or the fun, uplifting shit for the very end of the broadcast. And they, they, these stories last 45 seconds. Now, what's that tell you? The nice, fun shit? Not important. You need to be bummed out for an hour. And we'll give you the same weather report 10 times. Not because the weather ever changes around here. But because we just hired this hot weather girl with giant tits. And we know it's going to keep you tuned in. And they'll pimp the shit out of these feature stories for a good 20 minutes before they finally, you know, feed it to you at the end of the hour just to keep you watching. I give up. I am finding better things to do with my time these days. I watch too much television because I I can't really go anywhere. COVID's got me basically locked up. I rarely have anyone to go out, uh, go anywhere with anyway, and I feel like I'm kind of stuck. So my goal now is to wean myself all, you know, off of that other stuff. Less screen time. Start doing nighttime walks if I have to. Once I get vaccinated, I'll feel much better about everything. Weird way to piggyback that topic because this is about screen time, but have any of you watched uh, The Sound of Metal on Amazon? It's a great movie. It, It got a bunch of Oscar nominations, including Best Actor. Really intense film. It's about this guy who's a drummer in a metal duo with his girlfriend and he starts to lose his hearing. They live in a motorhome and they tour the country performing in these dank clubs. And this motorhome, it's small, right? But it's filled with his drums. He's got this huge soundboard and shit. Like he's got a full recording studio in this thing. Anyway, the movie shows you what it's like to go deaf and how precious being able to hear is. And imagine being a musician and going deaf. Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles, they played blind all their lives. That's a miracle, right? But to go deaf? You can't be a deaf musician. Although, I was fairly certain Yoko Ono was a deaf musician. Have you ever heard that woman sing? (laughs) I use the word sing lightly. Jesus Christ. Sound like someone's torturing a cat. Listen. Okay, enough for Christ's sake, shit. Imagine. John broke up the Beatles for that. She must have been dynamite in the sack, man. 
no other explanation for why he'd get up on stage and perform with her doing whatever the hell that was. Listen to it. It sounds like he's trying to retune his guitar while she's singing, like two notes off from where she's supposed to be. He's like, shit, hold on, let me retune this. Shit, let me retune again. God damn it. (laughs) Lennon got shot on my brother's birthday. That was a horrible day for him. He was bummed out. That was in the early 80s, right? Is it? Has it been four? It's been 40 years? Oh, dude. Think about that. I heard someone talk about this, and I thought it was enlightening. The Beatles would release singles that weren't on any album, and they'd go right to number one. But the B side of the single was equally as good as the A side, if not better. Would easily have been worthy of being an A side on any other single. And the B side track was always the one written by Lennon. Paul always got the A side. Some people think it was that, you know, domineering attitude of McCartney that turned Lennon off. So he said, fuck it. I'm going to do a ton of heroin. I'm going to start dating this beauty queen. And maybe it was the heroin that did it. You know, maybe if you do enough H, you'll find anyone attractive. You think Yoko has a beautiful voice too. Must be a killer drug, man. Hey, this story disturbed me. Not sure if many of you know who Sean Bradley is. He's an ex-NBA player. Used to play for the Dallas Mavericks. He retired years ago, and he took up cycling as a hobby. Well, apparently, he was hit by a car back in January. Now, this guy's seven foot six. all right? I'm six foot two on an extra-large frame road bike because I've got long legs. And I look like a fucking giant out there. I've seen pictures of me on a bike. I'm like, oof, that looks weird. Now imagine how big this guy looked. You can't miss that. It's like a giraffe speeding down the road. Now keep that in mind when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. He got, you know, got crushed by this car. has a spinal cord injury. And now he's paralyzed. And when the story was reported by the media, like ESPN and stuff, The headline was this, former NBA center Sean Bradley paralyzed as a result of a bike accident. And this is where the cycling community went batshit, and rightly so. A bike accident implies that you were riding your bike and something went wrong. You know, maybe you hit a squirrel, you lost control of your bike. Maybe you took a turn too fast, it flew off your bike. Those are accidents. Being hit by a car is not an accident. A car ran into him, paralyzed him. You know, if you're swimming in the ocean and a shark, you know, bites you in the ass, you wouldn't call that a swimming accident, would you? No, that's a shark attack. If a car hits a pedestrian, is that a walking accident? Can we call this what it is? Car attack. I know it sounds stupid, but if we say car attack enough, we'll all get used to it and realize that this is an epidemic. I mean, this war between drivers and cyclists has been going on for a long time. And in most all cases, and I'm not kidding, the drivers are found not to be at fault. They'll find a way to say that the cyclist didn't have a right to be where he was at the time of the car attack or find some razor-thin excuse 
to find that neither the driver or the cyclist was at fault. It was an accident. Couldn't be avoided. We're supposed to be sharing the road here. Some people don't like us out there. Could give a shit less if they hit us. This is the very reason my buddy Mark and I stick to trails. We like to do longer rides, so you know the amount of paved trail that we have at our disposal in Orange County is limited, but we make do. And this is also why mountain biking and gravel riding are so popular. We want to be where the cars are not. I had a couple of near misses with cars, and I knew it was just a matter of time before I was going to get put in the hospital by one of these drivers that you know just don't pay attention. And that's why I avoid streets as much as I can. And I, you know, I stare down the cars when I drive through intersections because even if I'm, I'm out of green light, but, you know, I don't trust them. Not when I'm on my bike. Hell, I don't trust them when I'm in a car. But two tons versus 30 pounds, alloy aluminum and carbon fiber. No, thanks. Fuck that noise. And even though there isn't a street in this city that I live in that doesn't have a dedicated bike lane, I'm still wary. You know, it's a bike-friendly city, but it's unfortunately not, you know, filled with bike-friendly drivers. Paralyzed. Can you imagine that? It would be one thing if I had my leg broken or some nasty thing that made it so I couldn't ride my bike, you know, anymore. That would suck. It would take away one of my greatest passions. But I could live with that, you know? This poor bastard is never going to walk again. A wheelchair is not a bike. I made a note here in my show notes to talk about this story that I started writing years ago about this very subject. But you know, I think better of it now, just in case, you know, you never know someone will come along, hear this, poach the idea. It was a really dark story, suspenseful, packed with action. But I had to shelve it because my life got uh, a little involved. Anyway... Decent storyline, kind of a revenge fantasy with a tidy twist, you know, at the end. Anyway, I I wanted to mention it just so you understand how long this has been an issue for me and everybody else who rides a bike on city streets. And this isn't going to end because they keep calling it an accident. Do you imagine? Oh, shit. Did you hear about the accident in Hiroshima? How about the time those two planes accidentally flew into the Twin Towers? Horrible accidents. Real shame. Here's some more sad shit. Another mass shooting earlier this week. A grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. It just never ends, does it? I felt weird about saying it or even thinking it, but all last year I would make a list of the positive things that came about because of the lockdowns. I was trying to keep a positive mindset. Well, the cons outweigh the pros, you know, for sure. But I was always looking for the silver lining. And one of them was that these mass shootings stopped because there were no mass gatherings. But then I read a stat in the Washington Post that 2020 was the deadliest year on record for gun violence. But even through the lockdowns, You know, we still had these protests last year. There were knuckleheads who brought guns and started firing at people. You just can't protect people from themselves, can you? 
I always try to find a way, man, to see things through rose-colored glasses. Not that I'm trying to bullshit myself, but because I don't, I don't like dwelling on negative stuff. It doesn't do you any good. But it's hard to look through rose-colored glasses when shit like this starts happening again. We're trying to get back to normal. And unfortunately, mass shootings are, are normal here. And that should tell you something about the state of this country. Back to normal means back to mass shootings once a week. And I'm not a defender of assault weapons, just so you know. I think everybody's got a right to bear arms, whether it be for home defense or if you're into hunting or doing it for sport or whatever. I just don't see the need for semi-automatic or automatic weapons. Leave that stuff for the military. But I'm not getting. Into, I'm not going to get into that. It's it's political. I refuse to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, now we hear that the guy who shot up the grocery store had a history of anger issues and was known to be unstable. You want me to go blue in the face talking about mental health again? You know, fix that shit. You watch these problems disappear. You know, last episode was all fun and games. Now I'm starting to hear myself talk and this episode sounds depressing. Have I been funny at all? Oh, I made fun of Yoko. I put that in my notes here. Play sample of Yoko's horrible voice. <laughs> I know we've had some nasty shit happen this year, but I still don't think it's as bad as last year. At least not yet. Hey, I heard a new hip word this week. Corn cobbing. You know what that is? Corn cobbing is, it refers to you being destroyed in a debate or a social situation but continuing to deny the destruction has happened until all credibility is lost and you're left embarrassed. So basically, you're accused of doing something wrong. You deny it and state the opposite, continue to do it, continue to be accused by more and more people, continue to deny it until you're caught with mud on your face and you say, eh, I was wrong. Goodbye, reputation. I'm not on Facebook but I can only imagine how much corn cobbing is going on in there. Well, back in Arkansas, corn cobbing meant something totally different. Any of you familiar with the old Deep South? You'll get that joke. I wonder how much hemorrhoid cream was sold back then. I also read that Instagram's developing a version of its app now for kids under 13. Who the hell thought that was a good idea? <laughs> World is doomed. I'm going to make a non-alcoholic beer for kids under 13. How about that? Hey, to be fair, Facebook doesn't give a shit about all the horrible things that go on in Instagram. They, they truly don't. I've got personal experience with this. Not to go into details, but I reported uh, accounts for abuse, provided proof, went down every avenue, never heard a damn thing. Accounts stayed up. They simply don't give a shit. And I've heard every story imaginable. Kids opening Instagram accounts without their parents' knowledge. The next thing you know, your young daughter is receiving dick pics. That also got reported. They get a reply back saying they, they couldn't verify that the account was in violation of its terms of service. So what are the terms of service? It's okay to prey on young kids and expose them to stuff they shouldn't see? I'd take the goddamn phone away. They'd never see it again until they were mature enough to use it responsibly. 
Yeah, now I sound like an old man again. Hey, being a parent is hard, dude. Hardest job I ever had in my life. You know, I really fell off the nutrition wagon this winter. You know, I've been really proud of my fitness for a while, but I kind of let myself go around the holidays. I'm used to riding four to five times a week, you know, when it's warm. Over the last few months, I'd ride once a week. My riding partner, Mark, and I skipped quite a few weeks in there. I was eating and drinking whatever I wanted as if I was still in training mode. So I put on weight where I don't want it. So about a week ago, I went back on my program and I'm trying to ride or run or work out at least five times a week. And it's hard to motivate yourself when you've been off the wagon for so long. But I've been here before and I'm managing and uh, I've been through it. I can do it. So I'm eating a ton of vegetables, power greens, lean proteins, staying away from any unnecessary carbs as much as possible. And this is important. I'm cutting way back on beer. I fell in love with the wrong beer over the winter. And uh, we had to break up. (laughs) I'll miss her. But uh, no love affair lasts forever. I felt like I was cheating on my body with a mistress from New Belgium. And now my body and I are in couples therapy together. It's painful. She's very mad at me. So anyway, Mark and I went to dinner the other night and I started discussing how I'm really enjoying eating fish again. And this brought us to the subject of this, you know, long standing argument of sustainable species and the debates over farm raised fish versus wild caught. And if you were a listener of the food show, you probably heard me talk about this several times, right? I interviewed a lot of people in the seafood industry. They all had an opinion. Even Susan Feniger from Food Network. She was hot on the topic. Well, I don't know how tilapia came up, but I told him it was a shit fish and that I don't like it. So he laughs. He goes, yeah, because they eat shit. I'm like, what? He said that some farms use tilapia to clean contaminated water because these fish will eat anything. So I had to look this up when I got back home. Not that I didn't believe him, because I've never liked how that fish tasted. And I, I tried it once and once was enough. No, I looked it up because I told him if this was true, it was going on the show. So in my search, I found a video from an old episode of Dirty Jobs. It was a show hosted by Mike Rowe on the Discovery Channel. And he visits a fish farm. And apparently this, this particular farm raises striped bass. And once they harvest the bass, and empty the tank of all of its fish, what they're left with is this giant tank filled with filthy water that's filled with fish shit. What do you do? I mean, how do you clean dirty shit water? Well, let me play this clip for you so you can hear it for yourself. And I chopped the segment up a bit so it's concise. Striped bass are in the tank? Yeah, they're in this tank. There's about 28,000 fish. They're about a quarter pound. Every day here at Kent SeaTech, Junior and his crew tend to over 3 million fish, swimming in 100 concrete tanks spread over 160 acres. 30% of the country's hybrid striped bass are raised right here at Kent SeaTech. Now put it up. Pull it up. 
By producing farm-raised striped bass, Kent SeaTac helps reduce our dependence on the ocean's resources, which have already been stretched to their limits through overfishing. Eventually, the bass ends up in a box, and the box ends up on a refrigerated truck. But the water that the bass swam in, well, that stays here. This is basically where our wastewater treatment begins. We have about 300,000 tilapia and carp in here. Right. To get rid of a lot of the particulates. Particulate poop. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, Alvaro, what, what is this thing called? This is a grater. A grater. We're going to push it forward, and what it's going to do, all those small fish are going to come out. Yes. And the big fish you're going to stay in, which are the ones we're going to take out. So basically, it's me and you in a toilet against 300,000 poo-eating fish. That's right. Got it. 30,000 poo-eating fish coming at you. Tilapia and carp will eat over 30% of the solid matter in this dirty water. They're sold live to wholesalers in California who in turn sell the fish to restaurants, fish markets, and food stores. The folks here tell me that the tilapia is a white, mild-flavored fish, perfect for grilling or filleting, while the carp are most often steamed. So enjoy that tilapia you have in the freezer. <laughs> it ain't shit most of its life. But our discussion about tilapia didn't end there. I had read somewhere that tilapia are known to be one of the most reproductive fish, like they have babies every couple of months. So Mark said, so they're the rabbits of the sea, which I thought was pretty funny. We get, you know, we're going to make a t-shirt with the tilapia on it, say rabbits of the sea. Although it's, it's a freshwater fish, it's still a great line. But actually, look, a female will produce about anywhere from 200 to 1,000 eggs every time that, you know, she has eggs. And she does this every four to five weeks. And I'm thinking, how fucking pathetic is it that fish can produce so many kids and they can't even copulate. I mean, set aside the fact that they do what's necessary to make children and then, you know, they piss off once the kids hatch. I mean, they're not really parenting these hundreds of kids, which I think might be a byproduct of not being able to actually enjoy the act of intercourse in the first place. I mean, think about it. Nature fucked this up. If fish could have sex like everybody else, they might feel guilty enough to hang around, to raise these little shits. But no, there's no pleasure involved. She dumps a bunch of eggs, you spray it with your man juice, then you take off to wherever you go, hang out with your buddies, and she stays, protects the fertilized eggs until they turn into fish, and she she bails, you know, does whatever she does. It's a fucked up system. Fish need to truly bang. You know, it'll create harmony. Family stays together longer, you know, <laughs> maybe the dad gets a, a bit protective, buys a weapon, protects his home until the kids are raised. Then again, they live in shit water. I wouldn't stay either. Well, I guess I should leave on a high note. Just talked about fish sex. True to form, Philly. Well done. Strong finish. Hey, thanks for continuing to listen to my rambling. I know I get stupid sometimes, but that's the point. Music in this episode from Le Youth. If you like the song, look for it on Amazon Music, Apple Music, or uh, wherever you purchase your music. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.